Hello, friends. Welcome to Brainworms, the podcast that believes in life after love. I'm Joe. I'm David. I'm Kane. And I'm Chris, I think. Are you? Are, are you pretty sure? Okay. That's fine. I'm pretty confident that you are Chris as well. Well, that, that serial number that I found in my arm won't run about. That's... I, thought, I thought that you guys just put it on there like with Sharpie as a goof, but like it's really, really on there. It's a beauty mark. It means you're pretty. Yep. Oh, always wanted to be pretty. But yeah, today we're continuing our reading of Carlton Mellick III's uh, Werewolf Warrior Women of the Apocalypse. Wasteland. Is it the Wastelands? Of the Wasteland. What, yeah, I, I can never keep that title straight in my mind. Warrior Wolf Women of the Wasteland. What's so hard about that? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> a continuation of last week's episode. There is a point in this recording, quick content warning, where Carlton Mellick kind of writes a check that his ass can't cash. Uh, embraces his eccentricity to a detrimental degree. Things get gross. Things get gross and upsetting. Uh, content warning for for sexual assault, discussion of sexual assault. It kind of derails the episode to an extent. And we kind of start having a conversation about using sexual assault as a storytelling device. You shouldn't. And you shouldn't, is our conclusion. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. <laughs> and our thoughts on that. And we kind of question... Is this an episode that we want to publish? There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Because at at time of this recording, I don't know how long this intro is going to be. I can't give you a timestamp. I'll cut in and tell you when that's about to happen. You don't have to say that at this point. You could just do the cut in. But then they know that I'm going to warn them before we very abruptly. Forewarned is forearmed. So for like the two minutes where this doesn't happen. No, no, no. There's there's enough episode that. Yeah, there's a fair. It sort of comes just all of a sudden. Yeah. I, ooh, yeah. Yeah, like, and that's what the book does. You think you're having a good time with this kind of slightly over-the-top satire. And then it's just like, no, 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 we're doing this now. Yeah, it was gross. It was gross, and it's gonna happen. And I will come in and warn you before it happens. If you want to listen to the part of the oh, episode that's okay. fun. Yeah, yeah. Now I know what you're talking about, Dio. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna actually right yeah, before the part. I'm going to edit in like, myself giving yeah, a warning. Listeners. Yeah. Hey, you might not want to listen from this point on. Right. You know, if, if that's something that's going to make you uncomfortable, then it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Like it bothers us. So yeah, feel free to opt out. It's fine. So how about we just assume that you say all of the mitigating phrases, every iteration of, you know, don't worry. And, and this gets gross. We, we, we just, assume that it happens and then we could save a lot of time what what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> uh david david real quick yeah there's a green button that's recently been installed on the panel of your no, you workstation no, you didn't you didn't make two of those um if you could just push that button real quick how did hey that's how did that even get out here? Uh, do you notice the three kind of teeny tiny looking spider robots that are currently sitting on Ooh. your workstation? Hi, guys. Oh, yeah. those are me's. Oh, oh, geez. They even have your beard. <laughs> David, don't but trust yeah, Kane. Don't, just push don't the push, green button. Do, do not push the button. Should don't I, do that. I, All right. Well, you know how we've got a quiet room? Yeah. This is like the most amazing quiet room ever. <laughs> No, don't peace <laughs> silence. Don't, don't do it. Uh, there won't be peace and silence. I swear to you. You know what? Maybe after we read the book. 
Yeah, and we're we're going to take you back to the past when we had a bad time reading Werewolf Warrior, <laughs> we Women did. of the Apocalypse. We did have a bad time. Uh, should I do the promo? Is that in good taste? No. No. I don't, I don't feel like so. it it's is. Fine. Like, don't, don't I don't do want to do fine. it this time. Yeah. If this is a Brainworm's first episode, like... <laughs> Like, yeah, don't, don't, good on you fine. for coming in on part two of episode. <laughs> well, and, and something that I've had to explain to Kane on Butcher Block a couple times: people will often have their Spotify set to newest episode first. That's true. So it is possible that this will be the first thing of ours. It's true. Here. Well, I mean, you know, it probably doesn't hurt to tell them that if they want to go to wegiveyoubrainworms.com, they can find ways to listen to our podcasts and interact with us. It's true. Yeah. You can do that through wegiveyoubrainworms.com. Yep. Yeah. Hey, Joe, what's the website again? Wegiveyoubrainworms.com. Thank you, sir. Yep. Um, yep. We're going to take you back to the to the past to us reading that book. Why are you guys making those noises? Uh, all right. You want to keep soldiering on? Let's do it. Yeah. The color indicates rank. The yellow rank is the lowest. Blue rank is the highest. Rubbing dirt on your knees again, eh, Daniel? Says the fry guy. I recognize his gruff, monotone voice. It's my damned brother. Of all the fry guys, it had to be him. Hey, guy, I say to him. His name is really Guy. Guy, the fry guy. How stupid is that? There is something, at least if you're old enough, to remember the era when McDonald's had like the fry and I think even like Grimace has kind of been phased out. Yeah. And like the Hamburglar, like that whole McDonald's expanded universe. But there is something very upsetting about the idea of of a cop that is in the costume of a fry guy. <laughs> that there's something just existentially terrifying about that. And and I hate it. It's like blending the innocence of your childhood with the cold hard reality. <laughs> it might be that. Like it's it's not something I can really interrogate. It's just something about it I find very upsetting. Yeah. It doesn't upset me so much as just I find it so delightfully absurd. Sure. But that's probably just a difference in our personalities. I kind of embrace that little frisson of discomfort. I mean, I don't know. You say that like like my, the I feel fantastic video isn't my favorite thing on the Internet. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <sighs> Look that up, listeners. It's worth your time. You should. Anyway. You have to stop doing that, he says, grunting and rubbing his enormous blonde mustache. He always grunts and rubs his enormous blonde mustache. <laughs> if it were anybody else who saw you, you'd be getting ticketed a pretty steep fine right now. I'd rather pay the fine. I know, I tell him, and try to move on. Hold on, little brother. He gets into my path. When he puts his large brick wall of a body in front of you, there's no getting around. I haven't seen you in almost a year. Where have you been hiding? It's been a year? I didn't realize. Of course I realized. I was avoiding him on purpose. I'm the only family you have left, he says. I'm surprised you wouldn't want to see me more often, especially during McDonaldmas. <laughs> McDonaldmas is based on a Christian holiday that hasn't been celebrated in a hundred years called Christmas. Yeah, Christians, it doesn't feel good when, you're, when your holiday gets moted out, does it, <laughs> Yule Day? <laughs> I, I was sick last McDonaldmas, 
Same as the one before that, Guy says. I shrug at him. Guy, the fry guy, insists that I come home with him for dinner. He's stubborn, and when he insists, there is no way he'll let you change his mind. He remembered that I had yet to see his new baby, who was born four months ago. Not coming to visit his newborn son was an error that I must rectify immediately. So he said, I didn't like meeting his last kid, or the one before that, so I didn't care to meet another one. <laughs> I tell him that I'm late for work. He tells me that he will give me a note of excuse. Fry guy lieutenants have the power to do that. As we walk, I notice the wolves are still howling. Sometimes they howl all night. Children of the night, what music they make. Even though he's a large, burly man who rarely expresses any emotion, my brother still gets a chill every time he hears a howl. It was like that ever since he was a kid, but it seems to have gotten worse now that he's an adult. I try to keep my extra limbs as still as possible. I didn't have problems hiding them when I visited my brother back then, but now they are fully grown and much more difficult to hide. Perhaps that is one of the reasons why I avoid my brother. There's a good chance that he would find a doctor friend to cut them off. Even though they're not supposed to be there, I hate the thought of losing limbs. Plus, this deformity makes me unique, and I try to treasure everything that's unique about me. That's what my grandpa always said. Whatever makes you strange is what makes you special. Thinking like that is how you get Chris allowed to run around in society. <laughs> yeah, just think about that. There are no laws that stop me from doing anything I do. Yeah. Good God, there ought to be. Yeah, someone really should step in. <laughs> We're allowed to continue to make this weird podcast about <laughs> fucking living on the moon and clones and shit. And, and no one stops it. We're just speaking our truth, Joe. <laughs> As oh, we yeah. understand it. Celebrate yourself. That's right. My brother does not believe that whatever makes you strange is what makes you special. He believes that whatever makes you strange is what is wrong with you. He believes that whatever doesn't kill you makes you stranger. As a fry guy, he works hard to maintain conformity amongst the McDonaldland citizens. The only thing unique about my brother that I can think of is his big blonde mustache. He's the only person in all of McDonaldland with such a large, manly mustache. Wish I had a big, large mustache. I used to. I, I used to do the whole, like, handlebar mustache thing. It's just kind of a pain in the ass. And It does seem like a lot of maintenance. I do yeah. feel like you could pull that off, though. Yeah, it was fun for a minute. It feels like it'd be a lot of maintenance and you would get a lot of biker guys coming up and trying to buy you drinks. No. Wait, what? No. Is that just a personal fantasy of mine? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because most McDonaldlandians work around food, they're not allowed to grow large mustaches. Most people have tiny, wimpy mustaches. Guy is very proud of his mustache. He grooms it obsessively and stares at it for hours in the mirror while flexing his bulky muscles. His mustache is where he gets his confidence and strength, which he uses to be a good authority figure. I always wanted to shave off his mustache just to see what would happen. He treats the thing as if it contains all of his manly power, and he would become weak and helpless if he were ever to lose it. There's so much going on in this story that I can't figure out if it's just me projecting things, or if this book is very insightful. <laughs> Maybe that's the, the beauty of it. Like, Is this a deliberate dissection of masculinity as a concept, or is it just me reading that into it? I'm not sure. I feel like calling it a breakdown of masculinity is too specific, but just the breakdown of investing your identity in appearances. That's fair. Yeah, and I mean, I think there probably is a little bit of the uh, tweaking 
your nose at standard masculine like posturing and sure what yeah, i think there's some of that in there but specifically through the lens of like a big ridiculous handlebar mustache mm-hmm. which frankly you know once upon a time sure might have been a sign of a in like virile masculine yeah but nowadays they're just ironic right although guy always acts like he is against individuality i know that the reason he treasures his mustache so highly is because it is the one thing that makes him unique it makes him stand out as someone special someone privileged he would never admit it he probably doesn't even realize it but guy treasures his individuality more than anybody else in mcdonald land we pick up some burgers when we get to guy's neighborhood You must get lonely in that tiny apartment of yours, Guy says through his puffy mustache. Do you ever socialize with anyone? I hang out with people from time to time. To sell them my homebrew. Whatever happened to your friends, Frank and Robbie? Are you still playing cards with them? I shake my head. I lost contact with Frank last year. He just stopped calling. Robbie disappeared some months ago. I guess he moved to another part of town. I went to see him at work a while ago, but he must have changed jobs. Guy looks down at the red sidewalk and switches the subject. You're going to love my new boy, he says. (laughs) Not in an excited parent's voice, but in a mechanical, matter-of-fact voice. He's the cutest thing you'll ever see. When we get to his luxurious apartment on the good side of town, that is so far from the McDonaldland walls that the howls coming from the wasteland cannot be heard, He immediately shows me his new baby boy to prove just how cute he really is. I do not hold it. I just say, yep, he sure is the cutest. (laughs) Really, the baby looks just like every other baby. Small, chubby, and bald. Guy grunts and nods. What's that? Imagine what would happen to, to the human species if you weren't biologically set up to think that your baby was like super cute yeah that's a horrifying reality because everyone who's not you or or just at least who's not a parent necessarily no one else is impressed by your baby in the way that you are (laughs) and yeah it's obnoxious but not having that 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 sounds horrifying yeah i could see that yeah i mean i'm i'm not a baby person i don't like kids um kids are okay they're they're whatever i'm fond of my nibblings but uh, I don't want to be around children regularly if I can sure. avoid it. I don't want to have children of my own. Yeah, definitely. And I make polite noises at people when they show me their children. And I'm like, oh, yeah, neat. <laughs> but I do genuinely know people that don't have children of their own mm-hmm. that are deeply invested in the lives of the children of the people around them. Sure. Like my wife, I think, likes her friends kids more than she likes some of her friends some kids are really cool with like like some kids can be very uh refreshingly insightful and blunt oh yeah i've had some great conversations with some Mm -hmm. (laughs) four-year-olds you know like it's fine they're they're great for short visits but yeah i i don't understand the uh the hype i mean a biological imperative is the hype yeah yeah i mean the just inbred sort of by design urge and push to make you uh create more of you Mm -hmm. i'm sure there there is a species of humans that did not recognize the novelty of children and they're extinct now (laughs) (laughs) well i mean what was it the shakers was a religious movement that part of their doctrine was not having children for anyone so they died out real quick yeah 
that's awesome. Yeah, they don't they don't exist anymore. <laughs> right. Because they had the right idea. You know what? I actually kind of respect that. I respect that they followed their beliefs all the way to that end. Sure. Yeah. They did it. Well, good for them. <laughs> they, they had a doctrine and they followed it. I mean, it. it goes one of two ways with something like that. Either you follow shaker discipline and you no longer have children or you have children and you're no longer a shaker. So right. that can only really last for a generation. That makes sense. Maybe yeah. two. Um, and, you know, my, like my personal philosophical bent kind of leans in the direction of antinatalism anyway. Just stop making more people. It's fine. So I kind of admire their their dedication to that cause. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I guess probably not as important inside of McDonald land. Mm -hmm. But if you're in an apocalyptic scenario, it probably is worthwhile to have children. Not in this one necessarily, but like not an apocalyptic, a post-apocalyptic mm -hmm. situation. Probably children are worthwhile. Sure. I feel like kids raised in an apocalypse would be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the apocalypse. Yeah. Like imagine a Mad Max kid who just like kills a raider by the time he's 14. Yep. Metal as fuck. Oh God, what's that? <laughs> There's a show on Netflix that I can't remember the name of right now. And I think it's based on either a book or a, a comic. Mm -hmm. But the basic premise is an apocalypse happens that wipes out everyone like basically everyone over the age of 18. I think I've heard about that. I don't remember what it's called and I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's good though, the show. I, if I remember the name of it, I'll say it later, but right. whatever. Uh, anyway, yeah, there's a small chubby bald person. Guy grunts and nods in approval, oh God, who was, then puts the baby down on the floor. Who was that character from Lord of the Flies? What What's about that? Lord of the Flies? There was, there was the chubby kid Oh, Piggy? Oh, Piggy, yeah. That was it. Yeah, they steal his glasses to start the fire. Yep. And then they get broken. Yeah. Then they stab him with spears at the end. Spoiler alert for Lord of the Flies. Yeah. What a great book. It's a great book. Inaccurate, I think. And mm. I, I've seen some criticisms of it that say that, you know, it's touted up in high schools and given to people to read as this, like, stunning example of what would really happen if people were freed from order and the savage instincts right. at the heart of all men. But... Then you have to consider that these kids were fucking British boarding school kids and they were all boys. Sure. That happening, very isolated incident sort of thing. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's more of a criticism of like... That system of indoctrination. Yeah. Yeah. Than anything else. So I like Lord of the Flies. Me too. I haven't read it since high school. It's a good book. Yeah. Guy grunts and nods in approval, then puts the baby down on the floor. He seems to treat it more like a trophy than a newborn human being. Molly, we have company, Guy shouts to the other room. When Molly turns the corner, she has a wide, happy smile on her face. But when she sees me, she doesn't seem to recognize me. Her smile fades, and she exposes her fangs. A slight growl comes out of her throat. Then she recognizes who she's growling at and composes herself. Oh, hi, Daniel, she says. Molly is looking bigger and hairier than ever. Beneath her red house dress, her entire body is covered in thick brown fur. Last time I saw her, she still had some skin showing, but now it is completely coated. Is this what a waifu is? Sorry, she says when she sees the white scratches on my hand. I'm still getting used to them. The claws are also a new addition, as is her long muzzle. Molly's turning into a wolf. 
This happens to all women once they begin to have children. Some women become less wolf-like than others. I haven't seen a woman as wolf-like as Molly since my mother was pregnant with her third kid a long time ago. This is a weird setting. It's a disease that came about in the early days of McDonald Land. They caught it from the furry conventions. <laughs> they call the disease lycanthropy, which was named after a fictional disease of the same name that turned people into werewolves. But there's a big difference between this version of lycanthropy and the fictional one. For starters, only women are affected by this disease. Secondly, the disease isn't spread from a werewolf bite. All McDonaldlandian women are born with this disease. Thirdly, the changes are not caused by a full moon. The changes occur only during the act of having sex. Fourthly, once the transformation occurs, the women do not return to human form as werewolves would the next morning. The mutation is permanent. Fifthly, the transformation doesn't happen all at once. The changes happen a little I'm at getting, a time. I'm getting Each time the female engages in sexual guys. activity, including masturbation. Oh, Harry Palms are real! <laughs> <laughs> it is believed that these changes occur during sex because the mutation is a result of the virus reacting to endorphins released in the brain during sexual stimulation, and especially orgasm. It's bad science. This is a shaky theory, however, because endorphins are released in the brain for more reasons than just sex. I was about to say. Because sex is the cause of these lycanthropic changes, sex has become illegal in McDonald land. A lesser book, I feel, would just run with that and not acknowledge that it it's thin logic yeah yeah i like that like mm -hmm. the running theory is this it's probably bullshit because it right. doesn't make any sense because and, and this is you know reflex is born of reading just garbage for a year but i was just on just ready to go to to be like that's stupid right but then then the writer was like no no, no I, I know it's stupid it's what people in the world believe, not what. It was the reaction I had to Endgame when they were like, we can talk about time travel all day. And then they looked right at the camera and said, do you want to watch a movie or not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's good enough for me. I like when we can say nice things about a book. Same. It's it's nice. You know, do you, do you guys think it's a uh, coincidence that Kane had to uh, go clean out the perturbidators right when, you know, we started saying nice things about a book? <laughs> I secretly think that he's incapable of anything but rage. I don't think there's much of a secret there. Yeah. I mean, I, I've known him for years, and I do believe that. <laughs> How can you have known him for years? He only cloned him last oh year. <laughs> because sex is the cause of these lycanthropic changes, <laughs> sex has become illegal in McDonald land. You can only partake in sexual activity if you obtain a permit from the board of directors. And you can only get a permit if you are married and only have sex to procreate. The permit is good for only five days, and you are only allowed to have sex once per day. It doesn't matter if the pregnancy is a success or not after the five days are up. If the new wolf-like features are not too serious, then you can apply for another permit to have a second kid in the future. So what you're telling me is that homosexuality is probably rampant. Yeah, like, that's the least believable. Like, I can kind of buy into this corporate-run McDonald's post-apocalyptic civilization. I can buy that. Pretty easily, actually. But the idea that the government is just going to say, no, you can't fuck because of this this wolf disease. And people are just going to be like, okay, is I, I, I don't buy it. I, I just like that. Like, okay, so, so you need a permit. And the evidence of having sex without a permit is the lycanthropy. 
But if you have sex with men, they don't turn into wolves. So dudes are just going to fuck each other because problem solved. Just like the yeah, lighthouse. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. I wonder if we'll get into that at all. I mean, I would think so. Yeah. Knowing this author, like, yeah, I could see that happening. <laughs> we're we're going to go there. <laughs> yeah. The upper class, of which Guy is a part, is usually allowed to get a third permit. This is why Molly is now almost more wolf than human. Most women are not allowed to mutate this much. The burkas that McDonald Landy and mothers wear in public that cover their skin from head to toe are designed to hide their wolf-like features. But some women, the younger, more liberal-minded ones, don't wear these outfits. They usually aren't able to get away with this unless their wolf features are very subtle. Every once in a while, you will run into a girl with fangs, whiskers, and glowing yellow eyes. But this is rare. It is considered low class. Molly is ferocious when Guy gives her the burgers. She rips open the wrappers on three double cheeseburgers at once and tears into them with her slobbery black jaws. After the first bite, she realizes what she's doing and composes herself. She sits her two daughters at the table into their chairs and gives them their meals. Man, does anybody else really want fast food right now? Yeah, right? <clears throat> God damn it. Then she sits herself down and continues eating in a more civilized manner. Women who are as wolf-like as Molly often have problems controlling their instinctual urges. They become more wild and unruly. Molly is probably transformed so much that Guy isn't allowed to let her out of the house. That's the law with some women who have been granted three sex permits. If she becomes any more beast-like, the Fry Guys will have to capture her and release her into the wasteland outside of the walls. The only reason she hasn't been taken out of town already is probably because of Guy's status. Even if they're not yet unruly, any woman who has sex without a permit is sent into the wasteland. It's not just against the law. It is considered heresy. It is McDonaldland's strictest law. There is no leniency toward any woman. Even the chief of the Fry Guys had to send his own daughter into the wastelands because she had sex a single time without a permit. I know that story all too well. This is why there are so many wolves in the wasteland outside of McDonaldland. They're not real wolves. Real wolves have been extinct for a very long time. <sighs> Carlton Mellick is our generation's Orwell. <laughs> <laughs> the wolves in the wasteland are the women who have been outcast from McDonaldland. They were once human, but now they are animals, howling outside the walls as if begging to be let back in. I take a burger and a hot apple pie from the pile of burgers and apple pies. There is also a large bowl full of fries centering the table that the entire family is supposed to share. It's a dinner tradition that Guy took from our parents. This tradition always bothered me because I don't like eating fries from the same bowl as everyone else. I especially don't like to eat them when there's a wolf woman like Molly digging her paws into the bowl every few minutes, leaving dozens of brown hairs on top of the food. Can you imagine if you didn't get to the burger pile first and you had to get one at the bottom that's all soggy from all the grease up oh, top? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just all smushed and moist. Are we nearing a, a end of the chapter? You'd think that, but it turns out not really. Um. Yeah. Do we want to wait for a more natural stopping point, or...? Let's see. And I feel like we're not really digging up anything Yeah, nothing's new. really happening. We're just kind of, like, we're getting into what the wolves are, and that seems important to the book, but... I was going to say that it's starting to feel tedious, but I think that may be part of the point. That And, and you know, getting having the thing read to you out loud is a little bit different than maybe reading it inside your head, so some of it might be that. But it, it does feel like 
maybe the like if the book's not in a huge hurry to go anywhere well what if we reach the end of like the dinner yeah let's go a little bit further now and see what happens here i'm just yeah, kind of sure. hello is anybody still there yeah hello. we're still here yes fuck you miss the part where when women orgasm they turn into furries Ugh. yeah that's actually the the premise of uh, this book apparently is that when women orgasm they turn into wolves yep basically yeah they've monikered it uh, lycanthropy so are like orgasms forbidden well sex is forbidden you have to yeah. get a permit you have to get a sex permit <sighs> where were we how's work guy asks me shitty i say molly growls at me i assume it's for using foul language around her kids I ignore her and say, I have to work two shifts seven days a week and my rent keeps going up. Even with two shifts, I have no money for recreation and for food, I can only eat items from the value menu. You know, Guy says. Jesus Christ, all of the McDonald's thing, mm -hmm. it's its so much. <laughs> it is a lot. It, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like I was saying before, this, this satire is probably, if not just as, then maybe more biting now than when the book came out which is the saddest thing yeah i bet you know guy says and i already know what he's going to say you should really come join the fry guy force <laughs> fry guy force so you always tell he me he said with a straight face <laughs> we could really use a guy like you you're in better shape than half the guys on the force you'd have better hours better pay more respect you could move out of the slums into a good neighborhood get a wife have kids I want to tell him off. <laughs> Turn your wife into tell a Tell him wolf. I'd never become a fry guy. Tell him I hate everything they stand for, but my extra arms begin to twitch. Whenever I'm overexcited, they always twitch. So I have to calm myself and be more civil with him. I really don't think I'm cut out to be a fry guy, I tell him. Physically, you're perfectly cut out for it, he says. That's usually the hard part for new applicants. You just need an attitude adjustment. You just need to grow up. I just smile and nod at him. They have great programs now to fix that, he says. They're working on psychological reconstruction. Oh, man. There are even drugs that are being developed that can help you think more like a fry guy. Like me. That's terrifying. That's very upsetting. Cop I mean, drug. Please. I mean, again, you know, the, the parallels to, you know, right now, you know, the, this idea of like indoctrination into like the military or into law enforcement that being a chemical process is very upsetting to think about yep don't like that nope hmm. i don't know about that i say he waves his big mac at me <laughs> telling you this is what you should do you would be much happier judging by guy's monotone voice being a fry guy hasn't made him much happier maybe someday i tell him to shut him up molly glares at me with her bloodthirsty yellow eyes she can see right through me. She knows I have no intention of ever considering joining the Fry Guy Force. She can tell that I despise everything that her husband stands for. Maybe someday you'll stop being such a loser, she says, burying her fangs at me. <laughs> Molly. Guy gently squeezes the scruff of her neck, which is what he does to anyone who embarrasses him. Please. No, she says, tossing her husband's arm away. You have just offered him an opportunity that could improve his life, and he just throws it back into your face. I'm sorry, I say, lowering my head in submission. You have to do this with wolf women, or else they might rip your throat out. I stand up to leave before things get out of control, but Guy puts me back into my seat. 
She's just a bit snappy these days, Guy says. Fuck the Fry Guys. Yeah, fuck the Fry Guys. <laughs> Women are snappy most of the time. The more wolf-like a woman becomes, the more her sexual drive increases, and the more sexually frustrated she'll get. I'm sorry. Molly composes herself and tries to be cordial. She changes the subject. Are you seeing anyone? She asks me, with a condescending false smile. No, I say. I think a woman is what you really need. Somebody who can clean you up and set you on the right path. If you had a wife and maybe some kids, you would know the importance of getting a good job and living in a good neighborhood. Guy gives her a look and she backs off. She has a point, Daniel, Guy says, rubbing special sauce from his mustache. <laughs> Meeting sense. Molly was the best thing that ever happened to me. You should find a woman to settle down with, I shrug. I'm just not interested in any women around here. He shakes his head. It isn't because of Nova? I take a big bite of apple pie. I see it is, Guy says. It's been years. You should have moved on by now. She was the only girl I've ever been attracted to, I say. She was your girlfriend when you were a teenager, he says. You're nearly 30 now. We were still dating in our early 20s, I said. I probably would have married her by now. You've got to get over that, he says. She's gone. She's never coming back. I finish my food as quickly as possible and stand up. I think I better go, I say. I'm already two hours late for my job. Hey everyone, this is Joe. I'm just jumping in here to let you know that past this point, the book gets a little heavy. Uh, if you are uncomfortable with discussions of sexual assault, this is a good time to jump out. And thanks for listening. November, who went by Nova for short, was the daughter of the chief of the Fry Guys. He's one of the main reasons I hate the Fry Guys so much. He's the man who took Nova away from me. In school, teenagers are usually plump. I'm not really attracted to plump girls, even though that is the desired figure of most McDonaldlandians. When I met November, she was as thin as me. She liked sports and exercise. She didn't like eating greasy food. We liked the way we looked. It wasn't long before we became good friends. I would call her my Novi as a pet name. She thought it was cute. She didn't like making things as I did, but she liked doing things, which I decided I liked too. She liked to climb trees, throw rocks at the new cows, steal burgers from fat men who didn't have the energy to chase after us, and look under the dresses of veiled mothers to see their hairy legs. She had less interest in maturity than I did, though that might have been because she was two years younger. She liked getting into trouble. Her father didn't like her behavior. With his busy job, and without a mother to keep her in line, she didn't have anybody to discipline her when she was doing things she wasn't allowed to do. So she did whatever she pleased. When she had sex illegally, her father was forced to kick her out of town. She didn't have sex with me. Although we were very close, we never were very intimate. Everyone thought she was my girlfriend. We even kissed a few times to see what it would feel like, and we showed each other our naked bodies out of curiosity, but we didn't have that kind of relationship. I loved my Novi. I'm not sure, but I think she might have loved me back. After her 21st birthday, on her way to work in the apple orchard, November was raped at gunpoint by a man in a yellow mask. Rape is very common in McDonald land. Men are able to masturbate, so most men are able to sexually relieve themselves without the need for sex with women. But there are some men who need more than that, 
They don't care if it is against the law. They don't care about the women or what it does to them. What is this book's deal? If a woman is raped, she is considered guilty of having illegal sex, even though it was against her will. Some women do not have enough sexual stimulation for any changes to occur, but the majority of the women who are raped are banished from McDonald land and sent into the wasteland. This is what happened to November. It is believed that the wolves outside the walls are cannibals. If a woman is not developed enough as a predator, she will be hunted down and eaten by the more wolf-like women. It is believed that none of the rape victims survive long in the wasteland. After only having sex once, they're hardly wolves at all, just normal girls with slightly sharper teeth and slightly yellowed eyes. Everyone told me that there was no way Nova would survive out there. She has to be dead. But I know November. She's a survivor. If it is survival of the fittest out there, I bet she found a hole to hide in and then masturbated over and over again day and night until she transformed into the biggest, toughest wolf in the wasteland. Sometimes when I hear the howls outside the walls, I like to think one of those wolves is her, causing trouble in the wild. So this is just gross. Yeah, this is very upsetting. Yeah. I think it is like trying to say something about like ultra conservative religion. Like there's something it's doing with that. Yeah. But I don't like it. I don't think it can do that comfortably in the satire that it's that it's doing. I agree completely. That's where the trouble lies is that it's trying to have this conversation using satire. Yeah. And it makes light of it. And that's that's where I find it so distasteful. Like that's what I don't like about it. I think what might happen is I'll retroactively kind of back us up to the end of the the dinner. The dinner. Scene. I, I think that's just the smartest thing to do because like this is it took a sour yeah, note. I, again, but I don't think it's going to be enjoyable for the listeners to have that experience. I mean, it stopped being enjoyable for me and not like a normal brain worms. Right. It just felt like, OK, you came at this with satire. There's McDonald's land broaching a subject like this in that that manner it doesn't feel good yeah it feels bad i don't know it's very much building this society of just religious indoctrination and mm, which i'm all about yeah it's it's all about the indoctrination and the control and the like just right on the nose calling out christians and you know the oppressiveness of religious societies yeah just ultra conservative just right there straight up saying that this society blames the rape victims sure and punishes them instead of punishing the rapists like ultimately i think it it'll come down to what the book does with it yeah like if, if it just brings it up and it's never relevant again then like it, it was like my disappointment with Meat House right. Man when David told me that, no, nothing happens with it. And I was just like, ugh. Like. And, and I think it will because the wolf women are the point of the book. Right. And right. and I think that it's constructing this deliberately. Like inevitably the character is going to get kicked out of the wall and meet the the civilization of the of the werewolf women. And that's going to be the thing. That's going to be the payoff for all of this. That's going to require a lot of investment. Yeah. Although that was an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, is, is like, you know, if if there was a a woman brain worm. Yeah, that's that's that fair. could be involved in the conversation. Then I'm totally down with it. Right. I'm just I'm not down with it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the only part of it that I and 
I'm kind of viewing it from the perspective of the character. Mm -hmm. Like this is what the character thinks about the society he lives in. Right. His girlfriend, the woman that he loved was attacked. I had a problem with the, uh, you know, men are able to masturbate. So most men are able to sexually relieve themselves. Like, let's go ahead and just get it out there that rape is not about sex. No, it's about, I mean, exactly. Yeah. And obviously it's a sexual crime. So it, there is a sexual element to it, Mm -hmm. but it becomes an outlet for people who feel like they have no control and are just broken in some way intrinsically inside. Sure. I think, you know, I don't know, but right. Um, I think uh, to sum up what we're all saying, criticism of this decision on the part of the author is that he is too ignorant on the subject right. to incorporate it effectively into the story. Yeah. I mean, I was at one point in my youth wrote a story that involved a woman who got assaulted and had a friend of mine's mother read it at one point. She came to our writer's circle and she ended up reading my story. And at the end of it, she just looked at me and said, you know, rape is not entertainment. And I wasn't doing it for that purpose. I wasn't trying to glamorize assault or anything. Mm-hmm. But she was telling you that, like, this is not something handled lightly. Like, and, and I think as effective as the satire was leading up to this point, I don't know if Carlton Mellick III, at least in 2009, I can't speak to him as a writer right now wasn't really qualified to talk about these subjects with the the empathy that they really needed. Yeah, and I think that's part of the thing, is that in the last 12 years or so, as a society, we've become much less comfortable. Like, if you think back even five years, mm-hmm. hell, SVU, like, yeah, it's it's against rape, but Law & Order SVU is a... Th- what 25 seasons or some shit sure of just in your face look at this we're using rape as entertainment right because that's ultimately what it is even if you don't say it's a good thing you're including it in your entertainment Mm -hmm. and yes it's a reality i guess it's you know it's one of those tricky sort of things to to walk on and i think yeah had this book been written now, it would probably read very differently than it did sure. a decade ago. The point, though, that, that I think is that it doesn't cover the subject in a way that I want to be represented by Brainworms. Um, although now I'm in, and maybe we should talk about this, you know, off the air. But now I'm kind of on the fence about it because like this is the most because we've just been generally sort of complimentary toward this book. And and this is the most like we've had to actually say about it since we press record. How about at the end of the dinner, you just cut in That's and say, hey, the, the book takes a yeah. turn. If you don't want to go down that road, skip to this time code That's or exactly whatever. What but if you're OK with this, putting yeah. in a lot of I would like to state for the record, like you guys. whatever is going to be done will be done whatever i don't don't ultimately care but i wouldn't even want to have it out there as as a thing that we're discussing sure that's just my personal stance on it what do you think david i think that carlton millick the third is an author who intentionally writes provocative things oh yeah he definitely writes for shock value as much as anything else and so i mean there's going to be some of that in his work Mm -hmm. and i I don't think he was making light of rape. No, I don't, I don't either. No. I, I think that he's making the point 
that this society is oppressive and, right. and what they're doing is bad. But he also didn't have the toolbox to really... Like I, like I said before, there's not really any malice in it. He's just too ignorant yeah. on the subject to incorporate it effectively into the story. Yeah, it's a bit of a misstep. And I, I think Chris was right that it really would depend, and you know we'll never know, but it really would depend on where it goes. Like, what happens in the ensuing many many chapters yeah this is a pretty long book it's like 330 something pages and you know we haven't even gotten out of chapter one we're like mm -hmm. two pages from the end of chapter one for what it's worth sure and it looks like it's 19 or 20 chapters long so are we ready to pull out of out of the nega zone because <laughs> I, I, ha I have lighter things to say i think we're pretty much done here with reading yeah i think that like in like i do want to have a longer conversation as to whether or not that conversation was worth publishing because i can kind of see both sides of it i'm kind of on the fence about it but regardless we're done for right now yeah i think that uh, the, my oh. my only uh statement on the uh topic of whether or not we keep that material or not mm -hmm. and whether or not we even like associate ourselves with this book mm -hmm. uh we kept trigger warning you guys also kept trigger warning before I was there. And I'm not saying that this episode is a wash. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that but you're stating your objection. To, I want my objection noted that I don't think right. this is a good book. I think that the direction that it went in, like it started out funny. It started out amusing. I liked the, the satire as it was. Mm -hmm. Some of it was a little over the top, but in the end, taking what was a funny satire and then putting something like rape into it and the right. way that he did it right. is offensive to me. I agree completely. The, the court recognizes Kane's objection. <laughs> and, and I, and I want to keep having that conversation, but, but yeah. maybe not. And on also, the I'm, not, I'm not making fun of, of you or your stance, Kane. I was, I was just making a joke. I don't know. Right. So, yeah, let's, let's do an outro. May I take like 10 seconds to say something? Oh my God! <laughs> You've been working for five minutes to, to say, say this thing for 10 seconds, Chris. Just fucking say it. <laughs> I just wanted to say that I, I do appreciate this author as an eccentric person. Like his eccentricity comes out in his mm. writing and it doesn't feel like this book was written for other people. It feels like he wanted to write it because he had this idea and he wanted it real and he didn't care if other people read it or not. Yeah, a lot of his his writing has that energy to it. That's all. Um, does anybody have any questions, comments, or concerns about werewolf, warrior, women, whatever the fuck? Da-da-da-da-da. Nice. Nah. <laughs> uh, don't forget if you you know if you're a youtube listener like comment subscribe click the bell do all the things that you do on youtube don't forget to go to wegiveyoubrainworms.com you can find our patreon and give us your money you can also jump into our funky fresh discord server and one of us will probably say hello to you hello or we won't or we we'll won't just let we'll the just, message just sit there awkwardly we'll just ignore you forever uh yeah thanks for listening and uh we're sorry yeah. Very sorry. Yup. This has been a production of Brainworms Presents. Any copyrighted content contained within is used for purposes of review. Brainworms Podcast is David Combs, Kane Magdalene, Christian Schaefer, and Joseph Wells. 
The theme music is Hodgepod Number no. 1 by Brian Davis. If you like what you heard, you can support us and learn about our other projects at wegiveyoubrainworms.com or by leaving a review on your favorite listening app. Big blonde mustache.